Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Today marks the end of Utah's 45-day legislative session, and we are celebrating with a game. Plus, you probably saw that video of a Brighton resident threatening a snowboarder with a shotgun. Not pretty. But which one of them was breaking the law in that scenario? Executive producer Emily Means joins me to break down the week's news. It's Friday, March 1st. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. I have breaking news for you. Keeping me on my toes, as always, Ali Vallarta. Well, as you know, the Utah Royals Professional Women's Soccer Club is making its triumphant return to Salt Lake City, well, technically Sandy, uh, this year. But this morning, via a kind of strange video on Twitter, Olympic skier and kind of legend Lindsey Vaughn announced that she is now a part owner of the Utah Royals. That is so cool. I think that's pretty cool. I also think it's interesting, like, how many celebs are kind of buying into Utah sports. Like, of course, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, now minority owners of the Utah Jazz. Like, it's kind of the thing to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Ryan Smith could be the owner of every sports team in (laughs) Utah. So it's nice to have a little bit of variety here. Actually, is he also a part owner of the Royals? He is a majority owner. He's the majority owner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of the reason they're back. He he negotiated getting them back here. I mean, he got the club for a screaming deal Mm. because the deal was kind of worked out before their return and before, you know, frankly, women's sports had is having kind of a blockbuster moment nationally in terms of like network coverage and viewership. But yeah, anyway, Lindsey Vaughn, I'm sure you already spent plenty of time in Utah, but welcome back. (laughs) Okay, let's get into the real news this week, which is it is the last day of Utah's 45-day legislative session. (laughs) I hope we have a sound effect queued up for that. I don't know. Is it crying for joy? Is it, uh, you know, what what do we want? You want a Vuvuzela? You want a sad trombone? (laughs) I think it's Oprah going, Were you silent or were you silenced? <laughs> Thank God it's over, Allie, or nearly over. It ends yeah. technically at midnight, uh, or mm-hmm. before that, if the legislature can get all their work done in a timely manner. But they must be done by midnight, and that, uh, when they're finished with their work, is when they announce sign die. And you, Signed you die. had to look up what that means because I gave you a baloney answer, you know, many moons ago. What does it mean? Sign die means without a day in Latin. And 
the reason that they say sign die is it's a way to announce that they're adjourning and their date to reconvene is not specified. Which I think is kind of funny because their date to reconvene is specified. Like we know the legislature will be back next January for 45 days. But because they often meet randomly like in the summer, they can call special sessions. We actually don't know when they'll reconvene next. And so they say sign die sign and die. what strike a gavel. Uh, and yeah. it's usually oh. at around Midnight? Last year, didn't they wrap up kind of early? Everyone was like, oh, we're done. It's like 8.30. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a huge relief when they end any time before midnight, right? <laughs> so, like, the yeah. bar is very low there. Um, yeah. Sign die is such a funny phrase to me because I always want to pronounce it. You know, I want to I want to flex my two years of Italian or whatever in college and be like, sine die or some, something like that. Oh. Sometimes they say sine die. Uh, on Capitol no, Hill, which is very Utah to me. <laughs> oh my God, very Utah. There's another thing that like comes up a lot, I feel like, towards the end of the session that I actually kind of want you to explain to me because inevitably in the final days or the final day, reporters will send this tweet. The Senate has wiped the board. <laughs> Chaos reigns. What does it mean to wipe the board? What does that mean? It's like, they're wiping the board. They wipe the board. It's anarchy. Uh, geez, Allie, I actually do not know what it means. <laughs> do you know? Okay, so basically there is this, God help me, there's this like board that is not actually a whiteboard, even though wipe the board makes it sound like someone, like some intern runs up and like wipes it all off. It's a digital board with a list of all the bills that the Senate and House chambers are going to deal with in the order that they're going to come to the floor. And when they wipe the board, it's basically them saying, the clock's ticking. We're not going to have time to get to all of these. Some of them are going to be sent back to rules. We are going to reprioritize what bills get addressed. And chaos reigns in that moment because anything like zombie bills could be resurrected. The priority could change. We could be surprised. It could be very expected. Listen, the last day of the session is chaotic. And uh, mm. that's because there are no rules. Like literally, they have suspended the rules in both the House and the Senate chambers. And that's because they're just trying to get it Done. Get as much done as they can before sign die at midnight when they are required to finish. Like it is in state statute that you cannot go past midnight on the 45th day. So the clock is running out. And like you said, Allie, sometimes we see these zombie bills pop up this time, this time of the session, bills that mm. may have died earlier on in the session, like they didn't pass a committee or the House voted them down. And sometimes lawmakers can convince their colleagues to take up their bill again. And mm. it's a surprise. You never know what you're going to get on the last day of the session. And when they are done, when they have gaveled out, signed, die, uh, the governor congratulates both chambers on their good work. And then oh, yeah. things get really weird and silly. And they play games or play videos and 
sing and it's very strange and by then you know the reporters up on capitol hill are like please get me out of here i have to go file my story yeah they're slapping <laughs> i have to go to sleep wow the governor doesn't take them all out to like yield spaghetti factory for dinner or something well, it's they don't go to the then, cheesecake but... factory in orem yeah yeah you know every restaurant in utah is closed by the time the legislature ends their business oh, but but maybe on saturday morning you know they meet for pancakes or something at penny ann's <laughs> i don't know Exactly. Okay, Emily, I kind of made you a little bit of a game in celebration of this day. Woo. This is a game inspired by one of my favorite not local podcasts called Stradio Lab, hosted by George Severus. And it's kind of an either or. So basically, I'm going to give you two options to choose from, and you have to pick one, and it's rapid fire. You can't ask questions. You can't ask for clarification. You just have to follow your heart. Cool. Ready? Yep. Okay. Legislature edition. Emily means interest group sponsored breakfast or crumbs at the bottom of your purse? (laughs) Morally, crumbs at the bottom of my purse, but like in my belly, I want a whole breakfast. Okay. Show us your calendars, Sean Reyes, or show me the money, Jerry Maguire. (laughs) Show us your calendars, Sean Reyes. (laughs) 64 ounces of Diet Coke with a squeeze of lime or 1.5 ounces of carefully measured liquor. 1.5 ounces of carefully measured liquor, for sure. Yeah. We're the Millers, starring Jennifer Aniston, or holy crap, the Millers usurped an entire neighborhood. (laughs) What? I guess... (laughs) This one feels like a a trap. (laughs) Um, pass. You can pick Jennifer no. Aniston. You can pick Jennifer Aniston. She's on a billboard on Fourth South. She's now a local girl. Yeah, but I have a feeling that movie isn't very good. Maybe she's selling skincare. <laughs> oh no, We're the Millers is pretty good. Oh, okay, I haven't. We're seen We're gonna that. have to tighten this up in post. <laughs> but <laughs> the Millers Emily. have a great vision for the Fair Park neighborhood. So you know, who knows? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me. So no answer. You pass. pass. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriations Bill or Kill Bill Volume 2? Kill Bill Volume (laughs) 2. Joint Committee or Rolling a Joint in Committee? Oh, Rolling a Joint in Committee. Yeah. And finally, Emily means Sign Die or Kill Me Now. Kill Me Now. (laughs) Wow. Good work. Thank God it's over. I think you got a hundred. That was that was a perfect score. Really? Even with yeah. my my NA, my uh, my pass. <laughs> this is about following your heart. Okay. Okay. Good. Wow, that was really tricky, Allie. <laughs> I, you know, I'm really glad we didn't open that up to uh, public comment. I'm glad we suspended the rules and it was just uh, <laughs> me making those decisions <laughs> without any input. <laughs> Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. 
First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. All right. Speaking of not opening up things to public comment, let's talk about Jazz Governor Ryan Smith's mock-up for a reimagining of an entertainment district in downtown Salt Lake City. It is definitely the talk of the town. I just want to say something that's been really confusing in these past few weeks is the way that we are talking about three different sports leagues and two different stadiums and two different bills all in the same like four day period. And it's like, there's the Fair Park Authority bill. There's now like this downtown Salt Lake Entertainment District bill, Major League Baseball, NHL, um, NBA. What's happening? What's basically happening is that the state and Salt Lake City and jazz owner and billionaire Ryan Smith are trying to figure out how to give him what he wants, which is an entertainment district in downtown Salt Lake City. It is also what a lot of our city leaders and state leaders appear to want. I don't think Salt Lakers have really been asked what they want, Um, but Ryan Smith tweeted out a vision for a new, I mean, presumably Delta Center with this language. Downtown Salt Lake City is the heart of Utah. Our efforts are not about an arena. It's about revitalizing a downtown that desperately needs investment. Imagine a downtown experience like this with the NBA and NHL at its core. Emily, would you like to do your best to describe what the this is that he is referring to? Imagine a world. Um, it is like Las Vegas, I think. It's like the yeah. Las Vegas Strip. There's a 30-foot tall screen with Larry Markkinen shooting a yeah. three. Uh, Larry yeah. Markkinen is a jazz player, if, if you're not following along there. Uh, and an all-star. And an all-star. He's, he's our yeah. star player. He's, he's easily our best player on the jazz. But uh, I digress. Uh, there is... What appears to be something like the Delta Center, but like five times bigger. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. there are fireworks shooting out of this enormous Delta (laughs) Center. It's the middle of the day, but there is still fireworks shooting out of the Delta Center. Um, I'm seeing like a lot of patios, you know, for restaurants and bars and mm-hmm. um, kind of like a pedestrian plaza. That was something that was really notable to me. No cars in this vision here. It looks a lot like the gateway. It kind of looks like if you just picked up the Delta Center, <laughs> inflated it, made it silver and put it at the other side of the gateway. Yeah. Yeah. And then added some more like screens to the gateway and some more glass. Lots of screens. There appears to be a a fake hard rock cafe. Did you see that? The like little guitar. No. There's a a restaurant with a guitar on it that's got to be a hard rock cafe. Maybe it'll have a Planet Hollywood. Anything's possible in this mock up. I see it now. (laughs) I mean, it's a shiny new vision for downtown. 
And it sure is shiny. Yeah. yeah. And there is a lot to unpack here. Um, you, one thing, though, Allie, that I guess is exciting to Salt Lakers, you mentioned that they haven't really been asked what they want. But what I don't think they want is for the Jazz to leave downtown Salt Lake City. And this vision that Ryan Smith has put forward shows that he doesn't seem to want the Jazz to leave Salt Lake either, which is yeah. kind of news to us. Like, I feel like he yeah. should have said that earlier because a lot of folks were concerned that he was trying to move the jazz to Draper, to the point at Draper. So this is exciting, I guess. It kind of raises the question of like, was all the speculation that the jazz were looking at the point, were looking at South County developments. Was that a ruse to give them leverage to get what they want downtown, which is going to cost... Salt Lake City sales taxpayers, be they residents or visitors, about a billion dollars? Or are there actual South County mayors that are feeling bummed out today because they were led astray in some conversations with the Jazz? We don't know. What we do know is that the owner of the Jazz, Ryan Smith, is very mercurial. And he's not a big fan of transparency, it seems. Did you see Andy Larson's tweet about how, like, it was... um, Just a couple, well, it was earlier in February that at the jazz game, Ryan Smith was hosting Governor Spencer Mm -hmm, Cox and mm -hmm. a bunch of legislators and gubernatorial folks. Um, Senate President Stuart Adams was seeing entering Ryan Smith's owner's suite. Like he was hosting politicos that he needed to get on his side to pass the bill that will lead to funding this vision and establishing this vision downtown in the owner's suite. Andy kind of took note of it, tweeted it, and he said that shortly after he tweeted that out, the Jazz decided to close the hallway in front Mm. of Ryan Smith's owner's suite for the first time in the history of the Delta Center, Wow! which is like kind of annoying from a media perspective now, like they have to kind of walk around to get to the media rooms and locker rooms and other places they need to be to cover the game. But it also is following this trend that we're seeing increasingly, which is like legislators and major stakeholders in Utah showing a disinterest in transparency. We'll talk more about this when we do our everything the legislature did to your life this year recap with Ben Winslow next week. But like a bill was passed that makes legislators calendars private, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So. We weren't supposed to know what was going on here. We were supposed to be surprised and Mm -hmm. presumably delighted by this rolling out of what's to be. Yeah. And I mean, the only indication I have of how people feel about this is what I saw on Twitter was was the Twitter mm-hmm. responses, Allie. Not a great barometer, but yeah, a yeah. barometer nonetheless. Right. Yeah. It's very selective. But, you know, Mayor Mendenhall said, uh, we set the pulse of the state in downtown Salt Lake City. Our downtown and the investment in it must remain strong to ensure we have a future with a better quality of life for residents. So she seems pretty pumped about this. Uh, Some other (laughs) comments I saw that were really funny was uh, someone said the only thing missing is the Draper Aquarium Claw. And I think (laughs) this would be a great place for the the claw. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like the Jazz Bear can descend from it or something. I think that would be fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. What, where do you, where exactly will this go though, Allie? That's the question. Well, yeah. I mean, there's basically the prevailing thought is that the Delta Center would be torn down and replaced with this where it currently is. But then there's also 
been a lot of talk about Japantown and basically relocating right. the stadium to Japantown, which is kind of behind the Salt Palace Convention Center. Right. Well, the Salt Palace Convention Center completely wiped out Japantown when it was built. Right. Which is why it's interesting to hear the mayor in her testimonial to this idea saying, like, we'd be working closely with the people of Japantown to build this, whatever, whatever. I mean, if this is the first they're seeing of it, then that's already a broken promise to work closely with them if they weren't even involved in the rendering, right? It's like, I don't know, I'm getting a little sick of that kind of like language. We're hearing it a lot lately when it comes to this these stadiums. But the thing about this that's so weird to me is like they already do play hockey games at the Delta Center. Like they do those kind of like exhibition games, the NHL will come. And like, yeah, it's not perfect, but the whole like... I think what this conversation is about is about priorities. It's it's not about whether you like the NHL or you like the Jazz or you want this or you think this would be cool. It's about funding priorities because the stadium is going to cost Salt Lake City taxpayers about a billion dollars. The plan is to raise the, raise the sales tax to fund it. And what we're being told is like, well, raising sales tax to fund this is a workaround to using public funding. I mean... Okay, public funding means the public funding a thing. Do you as a taxpayer feel that your sales tax that you pay funding something that you didn't necessarily vote to fund or choose to fund is you publicly funding something? Like if I'm like feel a little gaslit by the idea that like every time I buy a latte and a percentage of the tax I pay is going to this project and not expanding UTA service, building a Glendale High School, like any number of other projects, being told that that's not public funding is what kind of grinds my gears about all this. It's not that I don't think this would be cool, but it's also like the whole vibe is very like I need the new iPhone, you know? It's like we're tearing down the perfectly good stadium we already have to build a brand new stadium because it's important to people who will be able to afford to utilize that stadium. And like, I think at the end of the day, I don't want my financial representatives to be the people that are in line for the new iPhone when there's already an iPhone in their pocket. What a metaphor, Allie. That's why I had an Android for 15 years, okay? I'm a simple woman. Um, <laughs> well, listen, I don't know how quickly they're going to be able to turn around this project as of this recording. The bill hasn't even passed yet. Um, well, it passed the Senate, but not the House, yeah. So, you know, this will be... Uh, there are still more details to come, right? And we don't have all the answers yet. Hopefully the Smiths and the city and the state and whoever else is involved in this project are forthcoming with the answers and the details. And I think it would be wonderful for this to feel like truly a, a community effort and the visioning for that and, you know, what we're willing to invest in it. But we'll see. All I'll say is if CEOs want us to fund their private suites in brand new stadiums in our city with the revenue from my avocado toast, then stop telling me that I can't afford to buy a house because I buy avocado toast. <laughs> okay, so Emily, I was sitting on my couch watching Dune in preparation for Dune 2 <laughs> <Again>. this weekend. <laughs> 
And I got an email from the town of Brighton whose email list, it is a joy to be on, might I just say. Like that town email is awesome. And it was titled News Update. And it just, I read the first line, which was, the town of Brighton is sending this email to be sure everyone has accurate information about an incident that occurred on Saturday, February 24th. And I was like, uh-oh. An incident. <laughs> what And an incident happened? that warranted an email from the whole town. I'm like, uh, tell me you have gossip without telling me you have gossip. And it turns out the incident was something that I feel like a lot of people saw before I did. A snowboarder snowboarding at Brighton for the day was snowboarding through a backcountry path to the rental property he was staying at. And on his way back to the rental house, kind of came around a corner and he's filming himself in like very snowboarder fashion. He's like, yo, like gorgeous day, like last run or whatever. You're not supposed to say last run, but I think he says last run. Anyway, I don't know the rules. And comes around the corner and like you see this kind of red chair in the distance. And then you see this man who is carrying a shotgun and the snowboarder is like, oh, hey, oh, whoa. And realizes that this man is trying to send him a very clear message, which is I am sitting here with a gun to make you feel unsafe and unwelcome because you are currently on my property on your way back to your rental cabin. And I don't like that. And so I'm going to make not so thinly veiled threats. I think what he what the man shouted at him is he was kind of he, he unclipped from his snowboard and like walked away. And the guy shouted, you know, basically, if you come back again, there'll be holes in you. It's very get off my lawn, you know, like Mm. man on porch in rocking chair shouting at kids to get off his lawn. Um, Mm -hmm. This is scary, Allie. And I mean, I've never come face to face with a shotgun. I also am not snowboarding in the backcountry, so I have no idea what the rules are in the backcountry. But KSL talked to a defense attorney about this situation because, like you said, this kind of went viral. And so they were wondering, you know, like, who was in the wrong here? Who was in the right? And this defense attorney said, well, you can defend your property with force if someone has come onto it with the intent to harm. Now, is a snowboarder just kind of like passing through? Has he come onto your property with intent to harm? Doesn't seem like it. Seemed like he was lost. Well, I do want to say, I don't think he was lost because actually we got a statement from the mayor of Brighton saying that because all of this is under investigation, that the only way actually for that snowboarder in that scenario to get back to his rental property was Hmm. crossing property owned by another person. Okay. I do think in many ways, this is a story about if you are skiing in the backcountry, know where you are. Right. Because unfortunately, possession is nine tenths of the laws, my mother always says. And like you like you really should know where you are. But um, the mayor did say like he kind of had to cross private property Mm. to get where he was going. The other thing that's in question here is whether the man with the shotgun, the property owner, was brandishing it in a threatening manner. And yeah. the snowboarder says, yeah, he, he was pointing it at me. And Utah's brandishing statute uh, it does prevent someone from, you know, pointing it in a threatening manner. But just holding on to it is not illegal. 
So I think yeah. that's something that will come up in court if this is a if this goes to court, right? Yeah. I mean, in the video, you do not see the man point the gun at him. He is holding it across his body and he gets quite close to the snowboarder and like kind of bumps into him. Like I think he bumps his chest with the butt of the gun, but he's not pointing it at him that you can see in the video. Right. But yeah, I mean, what is it? What does it mean? Why do you brand like why get your, you know, Walmart pop up like game day red chair, put it out in the middle of this path and sit there holding a gun while snowboarders go by, if not to send a very clear message. And I think, frankly, this guy in the video, though his behavior might end up being legally excused somewhat by all these different statutes, I think he himself would also, not in court necessarily, but probably say, like, yeah, I was out there because I'm pissed about these snowboarders being on my property and I want to send a message that they're not safe here. Don't come back. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. This creates... Quite a scenario for the town of Brighton, which, I mean, these townships up where these ski resorts are held are just like, girl, we are 99% national forest and and state and public land. Like, we're just out here doing our best. We want everyone to have a good time and to embrace this natural wonder. Like, you know, please don't block residents' driveways. Like I called the town of Brighton because in my journey to visit every park in Salt Lake County this year, I've been calling municipalities in the county to get their list of parks. And when I reached out to them, it was so clear that the person who works there that I talked to was so thrilled I wasn't calling to complain about a snowboarder or like a ski resort related incident that they were like, oh, you just you just want to just want to know where our park benches are like <laughs> oh okay like you want to come up and have lunch like, <laughs> like this is the nicest call I've gotten all day <laughs> so they crafted this email which I have to say kind of hats off to them I thought the email they sent was really thoughtful but there was this line in it that kind of made me laugh which is although there are several no trespassing signs and a series of orange cones marking the private property in question it is never acceptable to use a firearm to menace any visitor or community member. And you're like, that's the thesis right there. Okay, let's do pick of the week and get to this weekend. Okay. Do you want to go first? I'll go. What's your pick? My pick is... Honestly, it's legislature adjacent. And the pick is correcting misinformation. Emily Anderson Stern, who is a politics reporter at the Salt Lake Tribune, put out a story this week on the misinformation lawmakers used to prop up the trans bathroom bill this session. And that passed very, very quickly this session, like in the first two weeks. We've talked about it at length. We can link some background in our show description for you. But the Tribune found multiple instances where elected Republican officials shared misleading information with their colleagues about this bill. And Ali, one of the things that is so frustrating about the legislative session and public Mm -hmm. comment during committee hearings and also these floor debates is that no one is fact checking. You can just Mm. spout off. You can say whatever you want. And our lawmakers 
create laws based on that misinformation. And so uh, my pick of the week is these journalists who are trying to set the record straight. Yeah, it's just, it's tough. It's a really tough job and lawmakers don't make it any easier. As you mentioned, um, there've been attacks by state lawmakers on our, our media members this session. So I guess what I would say is support local journalism. Become a Tribune hmm, yeah. subscriber and become a KUER become sustainer. Become a KUER sustainer, yes. Become a CityCast Salt Lake member. We fact check our shows. Yeah. Yep. The facts are Good on one. reporters' side here and they provide an invaluable service, especially during the legislative session. The misinformation debate is so hard too because, like, when you are on the opposing side of a bill like the trans bathroom bill and you're on the floor, like, calling legislators liars is not necessarily going to get you very far. But like, what is the line between lying and using misinformation to support your bill? Yeah. Like, it's pretty thin. Yeah. It's pretty thin. What's your pick, Allie? Okay. My pick of the week is the Save Our Great Salt Lake license plate, which I have to say, before now I have not scoffed at, but been kind of like, whatever about, very ambivalent. Like, is a license plate going to save the lake? I don't know. Probably Probably not. But then my friend Kate was like, look, visibility is a good thing. We all drive around with delicate arch on our cars. Imagine if instead we all drove around with the Great Salt Lake on our cars. Like, delicate arch is good. Like, she's going to be here for a long, long time, you know. Uh, Let's move on and, like, use that sort of platform to get people excited about, you know, the big stinky lake that's our namesake. So now... I'm a changed woman. And I think we should all be excited about the Save Our Great Salt Lake. Wow, what a twist. I'm that easy to convince. (laughs) Um, It's really cute. It says uh, restore, preserve, and protect across the bottom, which I think is kind of, it's giving live, laugh, love a little bit, but it's not incursive. And then there's an image on the left side that's like this really beautiful animation of a seagull flying over the lake. It's colorful. It's cute. Hmm. But this Save Our Great Salt Lake license plate was created by a Senate bill last legislative session, and they need 500 people to sign up for the plate in order to make it happen. On February 12th, there was a post that the Save Our Great Salt Lake license plate was 100 signups away from happening. Oh, my God. So they just need 100 more people to sign up for this license plate, and we can all start getting it. It's a very grassroots process, almost comedically so. Basically, you send an application to a Gmail account, and then you Venmo $46 to at Great Salt Lake Plate. (laughs) Do they take cash? Which I was like, uh, (laughs) you can also include a check with your application, I guess, if you want to mail it. I will put all the details for signing up if it's of interest to you in the episode description. Um, But like... A lot of people listen to this podcast. We can get this 100 signups done today. Are you going to get one? Because you have a license plate I'm already, one. Allie, you know? <laughs> no, I'm going to get one because I have the delicate arch one. Uh-huh. And I, the only other plate I would consider is the In God We Trust plate, only for one reason, which is that I do think it's cop repellent when you're on the road, <laughs> especially in rural Utah, <laughs> if you have a lead foot. Um, but. I think I am going to sign up for this. I'm going to cool. do it today. Well, we'll hold you to that. For the okay. lake. For the lake. Here, here. Sign die. <laughs> Signy die. Um, Signy die. Emily Means, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, Allie. 
That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our executive producer is Emily Means. Our producers are Ivana Martinez and Dylan Brogan. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria, and our host is me, Ali Bayarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria. Sometimes we use music from all the kimonos. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe out there. <laughs>